Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist. A confidence boost before your interview. Or a last minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it The Money Pit is presented by Bank of America. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you guys working on today? Are you working on your house? Are you thinking about planning some improvements? Are you just hanging out and enjoying your space? Maybe you're dreaming about something you like to tackle when it gets a bit warmer. I mean, I think it's it's within striking distance now, right? We've got about a good two months, and then we'll be starting to see some more of that green come out. Stop taking away my ski season. Ah, uh, well, you know, you can you can ski up until then, and if you want to go out west, you can ski then too, right? Okay, you can fine. Do some March skiing if you like. But hey, if you're thinking about some improvements you'd like to make to your house, well, we're thinking about that too. So we'd love to help. You can find us at one eighty eight Money Pit, or you can post your questions at moneypit.com. So coming up on today's show, if you are planning to make the switch from carpet to one of the many beautiful solid surface flooring products out there, get rid of that old carpet can definitely be a hassle. And sometimes it even reveals problems that have to be fixed before that new floor can be installed. So we're going to share how to handle the most common discoveries that are under carpet and prep for your new floor like a pro. And when it comes to maintaining your home, painting is a project that's among the most basic of DIY projects out there, and one which most homeowners are pretty happy to tackle themselves. But it's also a project that can go terribly wrong if you don't take just three steps before you start. So we're going to share those just ahead in today's smart spending tip. And hey, if you guys ever had a bath or shower drain or sink drain get clogged due to long hair getting stuck in it? Oh, that never happens at my Not house. in your house, right? Mm-hmm. No. no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we're going to share a $5 solution that is so handy you're going to want to start using it on all your sinks and showers. And from bathrooms to basements and demolition to decor, we are here to help you tackle all of your to-dos with confidence. So what are you guys working on? What are your plans for this ski season slash leading into spring season? All right, I'm not going to brush past my winter, but I'll allow dreaming of spring projects. So what are you thinking about doing? Let us lend a hand. Give us a call right now with your home improvement questions, your home decor questions at one eight 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 money pit or you can post your questions to moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Heading over to Maryland, we've got Jennifer on the line. What is happening at your money pit? I have a house. I live in the city, probably born, built in the 1950s. And the question that I have is that the plywood that is near the roof, I'm sorry, the plywood that is near the brick, it has a gap. My question to you is, 
Can you fill that gap with foamatic installation? When you say the plywood that's near the roof, are you talking about like the soffit, the overhang? No, okay, you know what, not the soffit, I'm sorry, the plywood, it's like the siding. The siding, it's a flat roof house, okay, and then yep. we have siding, and siding that actually is there, you know, it probably looked like it had some type of roofing caulk or something there mm-hmm. to close up those gaps. Right. Can you use foam? Because, you know, you just don't want birds or something to slip in there, or and then they right. can get behind your right. walls. So what's throwing me is that you, you generally you don't have plywood siding in a 1950s house. Generally, you have clapboard or, or, or other another type of wood siding. Yeah, it is, it is a wood siding, yes. It is okay. some type of wood siding. Right. So basically, we're talking about how do we fill a gap in wood siding, and you want to do this in a way that you don't have any rodents or birds or whatever can get in and out of that space. Probably the best thing to do is to fill it with steel wool because that will stop anything else from going into it. Now, is this under the soffit, or is it going to be fully exposed to the weather? Because then we have to talk about how to kind of, like, you know, make sure it's somewhat watertight, too. Well, we we have a rubber roof on the house. The house okay. has a rubber roof on it. Right. It's just at the siding, and it's, it's a plain house. The plain house is flat, mm-hmm. and you have the, you know, I guess it's some type of wood. Right. And we just want to make sure it looked like before, because it looked like it was white. So right. it looked like it was either some type of roofing caulk, Right. Or some type of foam that was there yeah. to fill it. How big is this gap? Like, we're talking about a like quarter inch or an inch? Probably a quarter inch to a oh, half an inch. Oh, that's really tiny. Yeah. You can just caulk that. You may have to put it in in like two layers, but you could caulk that. That shouldn't be a big deal. And, you know, you want to caulk it and then you could paint right over it. Can you use foam attic also? What does that mean to you? What is foam attic? You mean spray foam insulation? Yeah, the spray foam insulation. You kind of in a can? Yes. All right. So you're talking about great stuff. And that's a expandable polyurethane insulation. Uh, could you use that? Well, yes, but, all right? So you could use that, and you would let it expand, and then you'd let it harden. And then after it's hardened, then you can go back with, like, a utility knife and cut it flush with the siding. But at that point, you would have to prime it and paint it because you can't leave it exposed to the weather because the sun will basically deteriorate that foam really quickly. It's not designed to be, uh, you know, weatherproof. So you could use it, but you would have to also prime it and paint it to protect it. So you can use it, and maybe you can taper. Once you cut it, you could taper it off with some type of roofing caulk, like you were mentioning. And that way, that would be almost like a double ceiling. If there's a big gap behind it, yeah, you just want to use it to fill the space. Use it gently, okay? You're better off putting a couple of smaller applications of that stuff, because I'll tell you something about great stuff. If you just shoot a bunch of stuff into a hole like that, it expands, and I've seen it, you know, push siding boards off the house or, like, swell the side framing of a window where the window won't open or close anymore. So use it carefully, all right? Thank you all very much for answering my question. I enjoy your show as always. It's always a learning experience for all those DIY folks out there. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer. <laughs> Happy to help you out. Good luck. Time to talk tin roofs with Kenny in Mississippi. What's going on? I've got a, a tin roof on my house, but there's no insulation up under the tin roof. And I'm wondering what would be the best kind of insulation to use, spray on or something that you, you know, some sticky sides or whatever. So, Kenny, this, you know, the answer depends on basically how your roof is put together. Now, if you have the kind of roof, kind of attic structure where you have uh, a ceiling, and then you have an attic, and then you have the underside of the roof. In that situation, you're going to want to make sure that your ceiling, which is below your roof and uh, above your head, <laughs> is well insulated. And that type of home, you ought to have probably about 15 to 18 inches of insulation there. So the first layer would lay in between the ceiling joists 
Uh, and then the second layer would be on top of that perpendicular, and it would be unfaced fiberglass insulation, most likely. Now, if you have a cathedral ceiling where you look up and see the underside of that tin, that's a whole different situation. In that case, the best insulation to use would be spray foam insulation because it could be sprayed directly onto that tin roof, and then it could be painted. So those are the two options, but it really turns, it really d- depends on what the sort of structure of the house is. Uh, if you've got an attic, then you could just use standard insulation uh, on that uh, ceiling area, which is essentially the attic floor. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Penny in Illinois is on the line, and she's dealing with some frost on a meter. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. Well, we have a brand new home, and the outside is where, like, the meter is and stuff like that. Well, cold air gets in that little pipe area and then comes in through the basement and puts a patch of frost on the wall in the basement downstairs. And I was wondering if there was anything I can do to put something over that gas meter to protect it from getting so cold. You don't have to worry about the gas meter getting being protected because gas meters are meant to be outside in all sorts of, of weather. That said, though, if you're getting that kind of cold air in your basement, that's got to be causing you big energy losses. So I would try to seal those spaces where that cold air is getting in to try to keep that space as warm as possible because that is going to add to your heating costs. Okay, but I talked to the builder and he said you really can't do anything inside because then you're looking at a fire fire hazard. Like, if you try to insulate inside, then there could be a, a fire hazard there. What, in the basement with basement wall insulation? I was thinking, like, by where the gas meter was. That's what I kind of... Well, but again, you don't have to worry about the gas meter. That said, you can insulate and you can, you can add insulation to exterior walls, and you certainly can add insulation near near a gas meter. It's not <laughs> it's not like it's a source of flame, okay? It's a piece of equipment where, through which all the plumbing passes, but, I mean, it's not like it, there's, a, there's a flame there. So if your builder is telling you that, it sounds to me like he's trying to get out of a project. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate right, your Penny. help on that. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Tell that guy to get to work. I will. <laughs> Now we've got Trenton Florida on the line who's dealing with a fallen apart popcorn ceiling. How can we help you? Well, uh, my popcorn ceiling is actually in my bathroom. Uh, it's, I guess, one night or something, my son had gotten it wet. And when it dried, it started flaking off the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And now it's just continuing to do it. <laughs> well, it's funny because when you get a popcorn ceiling wet, that's... The, actually the way to remove it. You would spray it with, you know, some sort of garden sprayer and then scrape it off. So if you want it gone, he's got you on the correct <laughs> Now's path. Now's the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
But if you don't want it gone, what I would do is this. I would um, take like a, uh, maybe a, a stiff bristle brush and gently brush away, maybe like a dry paintbrush, you know, and, and just brush away all the loose stuff. And then you're going to pick up some uh, popcorn sealing patching material. There's a number of different manufacturers of this. I know that Zinzer makes one. Homax makes one. It comes both on a trowel on. Uh, finish and also on a spray-on finish. It looks like um, cheese in a can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it looks out. like cheese whiz. And <laughs> you can spray that on and recreate the popcorn effect that way. And then lastly, you're probably going to have to paint that ceiling and paint the entire ceiling to, to blend it in. But you got to get rid of the loose stuff, add the patching material, then repaint the ceiling, and you'll be good to go. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you very much. Now you've got options. You're very welcome. Well, solid surface flooring is more popular than ever, but for consumers that are interested in making the switch from carpet, removing the old carpet can be challenging and sometimes reveal some problems that must be fixed before you put that new floor in. So here's how to handle the three most common discoveries and prep for your new floor like a pro. Now, first, carpet makes a pretty darn good filter, and because of that, it traps a wide range of dirt and dust and allergens. And if you're not prepared... When you start tearing up that carpet, you're going to be sent into a sneezing fit that makes life absolutely miserable. So instead, hey, we all have these N95 masks. Why don't you use a couple for this project? Put on the mask, protect your lungs, protect your nose, your sinuses, and switch them out frequently. It's also super smart to ventilate the space while you're working to create a continuous flow of fresh dust mite-free air. All right, now here's the next thing. You pull up that carpet. Now you're going to find a whole series of medieval-looking strips of wood along the perimeter of the room, and they've got hundreds of very, very sharp nails pointing straight up at you. And, I mean, they've got a great name. They're called a tack strip because it's pretty much exactly what it is, a strip full of tacks. I mean, they really are great because what happens is the installer can just hook the carpet onto it and it kind of really keeps it stretched in the space. But you got to remove it with a hammer. You're going to need a flat pry bar. You definitely need a good set of leather gloves to protect your hands. And once you pull up those tack strips, sometimes there's like a rogue staple in the floor. And you've got to be careful because I swear to you, when they're sticking straight up, they are invisible. And you're like, oh, I'm going to put my hand down here oh, I just put my hand right onto a super syrup staple. So be careful. Wear the gloves. Trust me, you'll be very happy. Now, once the carpet is removed, we come to that portion of the project where you start to get surprises, right? Just like when you start your any kind of remodeling project, you always run into surprises. Well, the surprise you may run into, especially important if you're putting down a uh, hard surface floor, you might find that the floor is soft or uneven in spots. Depending on the type of flooring you use, you have to fix that because there are a lot of products that you can't put over a floor that's got the slightest bit of being out of level or buckled because it affects the joints between the boards. So, for example, if you're using uh, one of the vinyl flooring products and they lock together, well, if you've got an uneven wood floor or an uneven concrete floor, that can impact that locking joint. And if it pulls out, you're going to have a problem um, because it's almost impossible to get it back together. So lots of good products out there that can help with this, um, probably with the one you know the least about, and that is called the floor leveling compound. Think of this as sort of like a liquid, thick, almost pancake-like batter slurry. 
And when it's applied to the floor, it sort of poured on, it finds its own level, and it can fix a lot of those uneven areas. Uh, the stuff that's out today, Bostick's got one that dries in like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, and then you can get right to the rest of that floor project. But you really got to be on the lookout for uneven floors. Now, if any of this sounds like more than you want to tackle, companies like LL Flooring do offer professional installation services, and they can handle the carpet removal and the floor prep portion for you. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Now we've got Joyce in Alabama on the line who's got a question about a sink odor. What's going on? Well, this is in a bathroom sink. It's about uh, 25 years old. It's a type that has three air vent holes in it or overflow holes in it. And the odor seems to be emanating primarily from there. It's a very musty odor. And I came down to that conclusion because I finally took some paper and stuffed up those holes, and things smelled much better in the bathroom that way. Well, sometimes what happens is you'll get some uh, bacteria that will grow in that overflow trap. So what I would suggest you do is this. That is to fill the sink up with hot water and add some bleach to it. And let the bleach very slowly trickle over that overflow. And so it saturates it, and hopefully that will kill that mold or that bacteria. Now, the other thing that you can do is you can take the bathroom sink trap apart and clean it out with a bottle brush. Now, some of the traps today are just plastic. They're easy to unscrew and put back together. Under the sink, sometimes you can clean that. And again, you get that that biogas that forms in there. If you clean it with a bleach solution, that usually makes things smell a lot better in the bathroom. Okay, Joyce? All right. Thank you so much. Heading over to Florida, where Peter has lost power in the bathroom. Peter, what's going on, and can you see what you're doing? Yeah, I had a uh, GFI go bad, mm-hmm. and, and when I went to change it over, uh, for some reason um, I couldn't get any juice to the receptacle underneath the sink. So I got juice to, to, to where I put the new one in. But uh, So I went down to Home Depot and listened to you folks all the time, and uh, I got a new one, and the gentleman over there told me to find uh, you know, the hot wires go and put them on, uh, on the receptacle where it says line, and then the other, the other two uh, hook up on the bottom of it. Peter, do you know that the ground fault circuit worked properly and then it stopped working? Y- yes, sir. So it worked properly and it stopped working. Have you considered the fact that the ground fault circuit interrupter could be doing its job and then there could be a problem elsewhere in the circuit? So I think that when ground fault circuit interrupters start to trip, people say, oh, it must be a bad circuit breaker. And they don't consider the fact that the circuit breaker is, in fact, doing its job, detecting a diversion of current to a ground source and tripping to prevent you from getting a shock. So the solution wouldn't be necessarily first to replace the ground fault. I would investigate further to see what exactly is happening and causing that to trip. 
I think based on your description of, of what you've done this far, that this might be just a little bit above your skill set. And while we can respect the fact that you're doing uh, this on your own, when it comes to electricity, you want to get it right. And if you were to miswire that, and in fact, perhaps you, you know, there are different ways to hook up ground faults. And if you do it one way, you can get it to trip and not protect the rest of the circuit. So it would appear to be working correctly when in fact it wouldn't. So I, this is not the kind of thing I would recommend that you do yourself, Peter, with all due respect. I would definitely have an electrician look at this because I suspect that the ground fault is doing its thing. They rarely go bad. And if it's tripping, it's probably tripping because something is going on elsewhere in the circuit. The ground faults will cover everything that's on that circuit. So if you had, for example, a loose wire somewhere down the line and that was causing uh, some sort of an arcing condition, that could trigger the ground fault to go off. So contact an electrician. This is the kind of job that you should not do yourself because I want to make sure that uh, the problem is what you think it is and it gets properly fixed. Peter, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now we've got Margie in Delaware on the line with a flooring question. What can we do for you today? Well, we had carpeting down here from the 70s in this home that we moved into. So we pulled up the carpeting, and there's beautiful hardwood floors underneath, except wherever those uh, wood strips with the nails were that were holding the carpet down, there, there's a bunch of black holes where the nails were. Yeah. So how can we clean that up? Yeah, that the strips are called tackless, and what's happened is the nails have oxidized, so you get some rust and other types of corrosion that forms on the metal and reacts with the wood and leaves that sort of black stain. So what you have to do is sand the wood floors. If you sand the wood floors, you'll get rid of most of that black stain that's showing around the top of the hole. And then you can fill in the holes with a wood putty that matches the floor, sand it again, and you'll just about cover them. You're still going to see a little bit of them, but they will not be obvious. Right now, they're painfully obvious, I know. Uh, but, but if you sand the floors and then fill them in and sand it again and finish it, it will blend in. That's great. It's, it's got to be better than what it looks like now. No, it's nice. Think of that carpet as, an, as a beautiful drop cloth that protected those floors for all those years. <laughs> yeah. And now you get a chance to enjoy them again. Okay. Thank you so very much. You're welcome, Margie. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, when it comes to maintaining your home, painting is a project that's among the most basic of DIY projects out there. And a lot of homeowners really do enjoy tackling it themselves. Well, that's right, but it's also a project that can go wrong pretty quickly if you don't take just three simple steps before you start. We'll share those steps in today's Smart Spending Tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Yeah, now when it comes to maintaining your home, painting or even staining wood surfaces really is an important step to keeping your siding and trim in good shape. But while painting is a task that's among the most basic of DIY projects, it's also one where simple mistakes can actually lead to big heartache. Yeah, definitely. And it really comes down to preparation. If you have weathered surfaces, they need to be cleaned, any loose paint removed before you even think think about opening that can of paint because if not the new paint simply won't stick and your efforts will be wasted it'll look good for you know a week a two month two months and then all of a sudden it'll start peeling and you will be crushed because you're gonna have to take all that paint off and start again from scratch 
it's a big project if you have to do it again. Now, next, it's always smart to apply a coat of primer first because primer definitely is formulated differently than paint because the paint is meant to be that top finishing coat, but the primer is meant to be that first one that's really going to stick. So it's got products in it that will give it more adhesion. It's going to stick better to older surfaces, and then it will prevent that new paint from peeling off. Yeah, and finally, for the best finish look, be sure you pick the right type of paint brush. You know, it's not just any paintbrush. It depends on what paints you're applying. If you're working with oil-based or solvent-based paints, you want to use a natural bristle brush. But for latex, you need synthetic bristle brushes because they give you the better result. And a great paint job is definitely going to help you maintain the value of your home. And that's today's Smart Spending Tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Heading out to Texas, where James is on the line with a plumbing question. What's going on? Well, I have uh, two hot water heaters that serve two master bathrooms in the house. One of them recently went out. It was replaced through a home warranty company. And since we've got that put back in, uh, we've been gone several times. And each time we're gone for, you know, a week or two weeks at a time, when we come back, the water will be smelling like rotten eggs. And uh, we called the plumber who installed it, and he said that's a common problem. Uh, it's part of, part of your community. But, yet yeah, we've been living in that community almost eight years and never had a problem. But uh, he said what you need to do is cut the water off, break the hot water line, drain the tank, put a gallon of bleach in it, hook it back up, let it sit for 12 hours, and then run, run it until you get the bleach smell out, and you should be fine. Uh, We've done that three times, and each time we're gone, though, for a week or 10 days or more, uh, we come back and the water smells like rotten eggs. And it's a lot of problem getting these hot water heaters in a crawl space, so it's really hard to get into them and break those lines and drain the tanks and stuff. And so there's got to be, I think, some way that uh, this problem can be solved. Tell me something. Uh, the water heater that was replaced was it replaced? Was the whole water heater replaced? Was this a brand new unit? Uh, there's one brand new unit and one existing unit. Okay, but it's not relatively new. They're hooked up in series. Oh, they're in series, huh? One has the empty before you start pulling water out of the other one. First of all, the cause of the rotten egg smell is something called hydrogen sulfide. Now, hydrogen sulfide is a, is a gas. Uh, that is produced uh, in hot water and has that rotten egg smell. And the way you deal with that is with a new anode rod, uh, a new magnesium or aluminum anode rod, because these will react with the bacteria and basically reduce it. And those anode rods are are corroded or deteriorated. Um, Then you're going to have this problem uh, in a big way. So I'm wondering if maybe you don't have an anode rod in there, or maybe it's the wrong type of anode rod. That is what solves this. The fact that it didn't exist for all these years, and now it does exist, is troubling. Yeah, and, and like I say, we'd never had problem until we replaced one of the hot water heaters, and, and then and then we had been gone as much as a month a couple of times before that, and never come back came back to any kind of a problem. But once we put the new hot water heater in, then we started experiencing the problem. And I don't know if the two hot water heaters were, were hooked up in sequence before or if one served one bathroom and one served the other bathroom. So that's something I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of odd that you have two that are side-by-side side like that, that are in sequence, I think it would be more logical that one would serve one bath, one would serve the other bath, because typically you're going to want to reduce the piping basically from one to the next so that you don't wait as long for hot water. But what you really need is a zinc anode rod. And so I might speak with that plumber about making sure you have zinc uh, alloy anode rods in that because it doesn't react the same way with the bacteria as magnesium or aluminum by itself. Using that zinc is going to reduce the chances of getting that hydrogen sulfide smell. And then the other thing that you can do is you can put it in a water purification system. I mean, if your water has a, a really naturally high level of uh, bacteria, a water purification system is going to reduce that sulfur-causing bacteria and make the water smell pleasant again, or most importantly, maybe not have any smell at all. But usually the anode rod replacement will, will solve this. So I think that's the area you want to look at. I mean, I mean certainly, you know, decontaminating the water heater is, is sort of step one, but that didn't work. So we need to look at those anode rods, okay? That's perfect. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Bela in Delaware, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, we have a sunroom, and the roof of the sunroom is four inches of styrofoam, and on top of that is aluminum. Now, when it rains, it's very, very noisy. It's like living in a double wide, you know. So what I would like to do is put, like, architectural shingles on it. Now, I talked to one roofer who said, oh, we can just nail it on. But I don't think so. I thought maybe we need some plywood, three-quarter inch plywood, and even maybe some spacers. This aluminum roof, is it is it fairly uh, flat or is it uh, shaped? It is flat, yes, sir. Well, first of all, keep in mind that metal roofs are far more durable than asphalt shingle roofs. But if you can't really deal with the sound and you want to soften it, I agree with you. I do think you should you should attach a plywood decking to that metal roof first. And I would do that with screws. So I would drive screws through the decking into that metal roof. And then on top of that, I would put um, ice and water shield which is going to give you protection from any ice damming. And I would probably, since it's a, it's a, a fairly flat roof or a low-slope roof, I would probably cover the entire surface with ice and water shield. And then over that, I would put the asphalt shingles. Okay, sir. Well, thank you so very much for your help. That, that, that is the kind of thing I've been thinking about. I think you're on the right track, Bella. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you've got a Rapunzel or two living in your house, you know the ladies with the super long hair? Heck, the boys can even have the super long hair. If you've got it, you know that it definitely finds a way of getting stuck in the drains of your sink, your shower, your tub. I feel like my hair is everywhere. And you know that using a caustic drain cleaner really is never a good idea, and plumbers are expensive. Well, fortunately, you don't need either. Well, that's right. Now, there's a really handy little tool, and there's a couple of different ones that are similar. Um, the one that I used last time, because as a landlord, I own a, a place, and I've had kids in college where, especially my daughter, where they've got you know four girls in an apartment, and this just happens. Uh, you need to get something called a drain weasel. It's like a miniature snake for your drains. And it's 18 inches long. You insert it into the drain. 
it's narrow enough that it could even go through like a tub drain that has like those circular holes on it that kind of yeah those little holes in it right which is supposed to block hair but it doesn't um, and you basically drop it into the pipe and you spin it as you do as you go and it has little hooks on the end of it and it's perfect for grabbing big clumps of hair pulls it right out it is so easy to use this thing costs like under five bucks there's a couple of different ones the drain weasel is one that actually turns a little tiny handle that cranks around there's another one that looks like a like a double-sided brush if you can think about that that's also really long and that just stick it in the drain hole and pull it back up down a couple of times and all the hair comes right out and if you do it once in a while it doesn't really build up it's so cheap, you can put one in every bathroom, and you will be a total convert the first time you use one of these and never have to deal with uh, drains that are clogged by hair again. Yeah, and I mean, interestingly, everybody loses a tremendous amount of hair every day. I think with girls with long hair, it just kind of gets stuck in the hair itself. So when you shower, like lots of it comes out, and it's just the worst. So this definitely is a game changer for the bath. Jeff in Missouri's on the lawn and needs some help with a patio project. What are you working on? I really already got it done, but I failed to put a sealer on my patio, and I was wondering what I could do about that at this late date. It's been poured about six months. So why do you want to put a sealer on it? Because the leaves and the grass stain it. <laughs> you could clean it. You could use a trisodium phosphate solution to scrub it and clean it and brighten it up again, but then you have to wait till it's really dry. So doing this in the chilly weather is not a good idea. You want to make sure it's super dry. And then you could add a concrete sealer on top of that. The concrete sealers that you, you want to make sure you get are ones that are vapor permeable. And that means that the moisture moves in and out. You don't want to completely seal the brick because then what will happen is the moisture will still get in it, but it will freeze and start to break apart or spall, as the technical term goes. So if you get a good quality concrete sealer and get it clean to start with, certainly you can uh, reduce some of that staining going forward. Good. And what do you call it so it breathes in and out? Vapor permeable. I appreciate that. Thank you you guys for what you do. Post your question just like Trevor did. Now, Trevor writes, I was recently up in a crawl space and noticed a vent for my half bath was not actually vented to the outside. It just terminated in the crawl space and the insulation was laying on top of it. How can I fix this? That's a really good catch, Trevor, because the vent should definitely not be discharging into the crawl space. Lots of reasons for that. That additional humidity can make the insulation less effective. Plus, the moisture can increase the risk of rot setting into the area as well and also adds the chance of having mold growth. So you want to basically duct it to the outside. You want to do that with solid ducting, not flexible ducting. Uh, Try to have as few bends in it as possible. Get that moist, damp air out of the crawl space as quickly as possible. Well, are you ready to spruce up your child's room with furniture that adds some style, some organization, and some safety? Leslie has tips on how to do just that in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Because, Leslie, your kids' rooms are in a constant state of redecoration, right, and reorganization. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, constantly. And no matter how much I reorganize, they are very skilled at making them disorganized very, very quickly. So I feel like I practice this a lot. So, first of all, when you are redoing their rooms, you want to look for furniture pieces that are going to be durable, that are classically styled, and that will work for a range of ages. Now, convertible furniture, such as a crib that turns into a starter bed, that's a smart choice. But even if you just shop for finishes that are going to coordinate well with later additions like a whitewash or maybe a colored stain or a classic wood, you know, that's really easy to find. And you'll find things that 
we'll work with it down the road. A fairly classic, you know, not so busy doodad-free design, you're going to be in great shape there. Now, going with vintage furniture, that's also possible, but if you do go vintage, you've got to go carefully. Now, you can bring the fun of vintage graphics and styling to a room with some cool furnishings and accessories that you find at maybe an antique show, a tag sale, you know, those online treasure troves. This approach really works well for kids' spaces, too, with a few precautions. You want to steer clear of anything that might have a chippy finish or maybe something that could be a lead-based finish. And furniture is even trickier if you're going vintage. You want to make sure you avoid cribs and other furnishings that would have an out-of-date, say, latch or hardware or the way they're built. And you want to make sure that any railings or open trim works don't allow inquiring hands and heads to get stuck in it. So you can also, if you find something, take a look at the Consumer Product Safety Commission website for recalls just to make sure any of these vintage finds you've got in your cart or you're walking around with is not going to create an unsafe situation at your house. And finally, look for colors that are timeless. You want to consider the level and frequency of investment you're willing to put into your room's backdrop. If you don't mind repainting over that current color a few years from now, says the lady who let her son pick uh, Jets green (laughs) for half of his bedroom. You know, I know we're going to have to cover over that in a little while, but it made him so darn happy. So I was like, yeah, okay, we'll do it. (laughs) So just know that if you're not willing to put in the work a few years down the road to repaint, pick colors that are going to last, that'll work well with a variety of bedding and window treatments and different furnishings down the road, because, you know, things change. And if you kind of stick to a neutral base, everything will work all together. If you want some more tips, check out Create a Kid's Room that will grow with your child on MoneyPit.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thanks so much for spending this part of your day with us. We hope we've been helpful in giving you some advice and some ideas on things that are important to you when it comes to taking care of your house. Remember, we are always available for questions. If we're not in the studio, you can leave a message and we'll call you back the next time we are. That number again is one eight 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 Money Pit, or post your questions at moneypit.com. Coming up next time on the program, if you've got a basement space, Adding a bathroom, well, that can make that space even more usable, and it can add to your home's value. But gravity being what it is, bathrooms that are below grade need some special plumbing work in order to go with the flow, if you know what I mean. We're going to share those tips on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Scretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details.